you need to be the one to decide on those processes and to implement them. And you cannot just rely on other people to tell you what to do or to tell you what way is best. Like people are going to be looking to you as the designer to tell them how you best want to work and you know, how this process should go from a design perspective. Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creators. My name is Femke. And my name is Charlie. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about processes and design operations, which I promise you is not as boring as it sounds. <laughs> This is like an essential part of being a designer. We've talked about this in episodes before about how when you're a designer, you end up doing things that aren't necessarily designed a lot of the time. And um, we had a few emails from some listeners asking us to talk about this topic, asking us about how they can implement processes in their workplace, asking us about briefs and like how to set up a process and a workflow for getting them written. So that's what we'll talk about today. But first, Fem, should we have a quick catch up? How have you been? What you been up to? Oh, I've been up to lockdown activities. Um, <laughs> Such as cooking and Such, cocktail making, I'm y- guessing? <laughs> yes, all of the above. Uh, no, actually, um, Ontario just allowed us to have bubbles. So we can have up to 10 friends in our little circle of friends. Honestly, I don't even know 10 people in Toronto, so this is very easy for me. Um, but we made the most of it, and we actually went to a cabin last week and went kayaking and sitting by the campfire and cooking food. Uh, did not interact with any other humans while we were there, didn't even go to the shop, just stayed at the cabin. So it was really nice to actually like just have a different environment than my house for once. Uh, So that was really, really nice to just take time to be outside in nature, quiet time, no laptop, uh, and finally spending a little bit of time with friends, even if like we're still not hugging each other, but still sort of to be in company of others is kind of weird now actually because I'm so used to being by myself or just with Owen at home but it was really really nice that's good yeah they they just opened up here in Valencia the ability to travel to different provinces and so Mark and I anytime we want now can go and like see his parents we've been like wanting to go for the weekend because they for anyone who doesn't know live in a small town that's like you know a couple of hours drive away from here uh, in Spain but I've, I've been recording this new series of mine called Inside Marketing Design, mm-hmm. where I am interviewing other marketing designers. And every weekend I keep having like an episode scheduled to uh, record and yeah. I need to do it here at home because um, the internet connection isn't so strong in the countryside where they are. And also I don't want to lug my camera and fair, you know, fair. equipment all over there. So yeah, I'm just sort of like waiting for my, my schedule that I made before I realized that this was going to be a possibility to clear up a little bit uh, so that we can go off and do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, smart to just do it at home. It's much easier. I saw that you just announced your latest income report, which yeah. is exciting. Can you, for the listeners who don't know about this, can you tell us a little bit about what this is? Yeah, so for the past three years now, I just published the third report, I've been taking a look at all of the income that I get through my business. So that comes through my work that I do from ConvertKit and also all of my side hustles. Uh, And I analyze the data. I get real nerdy with it and make a lot of graphs, break things down into categories. It's really fun to look at the different income streams and especially in the past few years, how they've grown or or shrunk and what the changes are. I've really enjoyed comparing and and looking at things that way. So yeah, the 
Third one is out now for the 2019 2020 tax year. If you want to go have a look, we'll leave it in the show notes. It's on my blog, charliemarie.com. Awesome. I think it's so cool how transparent you are with this. And I noticed that this time you actually shared a bit of numbers too, which is very transparent. I'm sure that's going to help a lot of people. And uh, yeah, this has got me thinking, you actually suggested this to me actually for me to consider doing one for myself. Yes. I started to make, you know, some amounts of side income this year. So now after seeing your report, it's got me thinking about tracking that and, you know, maybe releasing that at the end of the year to help other people and like doing a bit of a nerdy analytical deep dive like you did. So I think this is something I'm going to try and start doing as well. So thank you for first kicking this off and starting the trend, I guess. I love that. That is honestly my hope with these reports is, you know, like I do with most of my content, I started creating it because it's the stuff that I wanted to be seeing on the internet. I think it's a very common thing amongst like, you know, business type bloggers to write income reports. But I wanted to do it from a design perspective and from like a, you know, all the rest of my creative projects perspective. Just thought it was interesting and I'm hella interested in anybody else's. So if anyone publishes one, please let me know because I definitely want to read it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I would love to see them as well. Well, should we get into today's episode topic? Talking about processes and all of that nerdy stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, we actually had a couple of uh, like requests around this topic. I'll just lightly read out um, from two different listeners. Um, One interested to know about like writing briefs and what the workflow is for creating a design brief. Uh, You know, does is it up to the senior designer to write them or the product manager? Does it come from a synthesis from a workshop or meeting? And then the other request we had was was kind of similar. Uh, someone who's been working at a startup for a little while and they've kind of been asked to create processes and, and workflows for, for the team. Uh, so they're, they're in the weeds of making processes, reports, cleaning up other designers' work, handing over designs to make spec sheets, et cetera, et cetera. So, Yeah, I thought this would be interesting to touch on because I feel like as the role of a designer, obviously designing things and and pixel pushing is a big part of the job. But I mean, I probably spend a good, maybe even at this point, up to 50% not on that and sort of doing workflows and processes and documenting and workshopping and jamming and scoping and making requirements. So I thought this would be an interesting topic. Let's maybe start, Charlie, with what does this look like for you? Like what has your experience been as a marketing designer, creating these workflows, writing up these processes? What does that sort of look like in your average week, let's say? Well, I like this question. Um, I think that I wouldn't really consider workflows and processes something I do on an ongoing basis. It's more like when a new need arises, you know? I think that when I was earlier in my career, I would follow along with whatever the processes were on the team that I was joining. And that's where I best like learned how I wanted to work and, and what worked well. There's a lot of processes that I learned on the job at zero, my first like design job in tech that I still use to this day because I believe that they're the best way for me to get the work done. And I think that, yeah, early on in your career, you are learning a lot and sort of trying out different processes and things like that. But that later on, or perhaps like, I know one of our listeners said that they are fairly early in their career, but they're the only designer on the team. So maybe it's like, you know, If you're in that position of being the design expert at the company, being the only one there, it happens earlier in your career, but you need to be the one to decide on those processes and to implement them. And you cannot just rely on other people to tell you what to do. 
or to tell you what way is best. Like people are going to be looking to you as the designer to tell them how you best want to work and you know, how this process should go from a design perspective. And that's, that's definitely been more of what I've been doing later in my career has been implementing the processes that I believe to be the best way to do things into place um, and setting up those workflows and educating the team on how to do them. But, you know, I've been at ConvertKit for over three years now, so things are pretty solid in place. And that's not to say you don't ever change your workflows, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't need to spend a whole lot of time on updating them if that makes sense. Do you often work in, internally at ConvertKit with different people on each project or is it like pretty solid? You're always sort of working with the same group of people. I would say it's pretty solid. Like the, the group of people doesn't change a whole lot. Every now and then there's a new person where like, as an example, someone on our success team, our deliverability expert has started a new podcast. So for that, she needed like a brand for it and social media imagery and things like that. And while I don't design those things, I like manage the the design process of, you know, any design work. And so, you know, I was working with her on that, but it wasn't super involved because it was basically just me again saying, all right, this is how we do it. Like you fill out this form, you tell us what you need and then we go and make it. So yeah, most of the time it's the same group of people for me, which is probably why my processes don't need to change that much. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it like for you? Yeah, I feel like my core group of people is pretty consistent, but in almost every project, there's like different people thrown in the mix, which... I, I realize it doesn't sound very clear. Um, so like right now I've started working on a new project over the last couple of weeks and it's with a product manager I have not worked with before. Uh, the team of engineers I still have yet to meet actually. I believe they're in Hyderabad, India, so I've not met them. Uh, and so it can definitely change project to project. And I guess with that comes like reestablishing my process a little bit each time or like communicating how I like to work. Uh, and that's often some often a conversation we'll have when I first work with a, a new product manager or something like that. You know, we'll have this conversation of, well, how do you like to work with design or how do you lo- like to work with product? Um, what's kind of your flow? Just trying to establish like what that working relationship will be. So it can, it's not that it changes every project, but I feel like it is a discussion that is had um, where we kind of try to establish, okay, what's our working model together going forward and how do we want to partner together? That's good. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's a conversation um, and you can make compromises, I'm guessing, based on how you all like to work and, and come to some conclusion of something that works well for all of you. Yeah. I mean, I feel like at a place like Uber or like even drilling down like Uber Eats, which is still like hundreds of people, to be clear, we do have like an overall kind of process and like a way that we work and like within product and design we have like a we call it the checkpoint process like every project goes through the checkpoint process and there's the same checkpoints and you know there is consistency at that high level Um, but when it comes to like the individual relationships and like me working with the product manager um, that might differ a little bit project to project depending on how people like to work yeah that makes sense I think that as you're talking, I'm, I'm realizing that maybe things are a little bit more fluid for me than I mm-hmm. like maybe first said, because um, as Corey and I have been working together over the past year and a bit now, we've been continually refining our process where sort of every project, I don't know, there'll be something I miss or that he misses and we're like, okay, we've got to like make sure we tackle this next time. Um, what can we do to, to make this better? 
just the other day, we even had a huge conversation about confusion about different breakpoints that I was mocking up, like that was different to what he was coding and it was really confusing. So we like hashed it out and developed like a change to a new system of like, okay, this is what I'll mock up then for you. So it matches better with what you're doing. I think that we, it's good to evaluate every project that you do. And even if it's not a conversation you have with the team, just ask yourself, what could go better next time? What could I do better next time? And how could I change my process to make this better and to make it like make myself more effective as a designer? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that totally makes sense. There, there's one point I want to touch on, which kind of came up in our listener requests around like, you know, I'm, I'm, always creating processes is kind of what, what they were saying. Like I, you know, constantly creating reports, cleaning things up, making processes. I think I want to make it clear that like the point of a process ideally is that you create it once and then you follow it. And then you you can make small tweaks refining, but you're not like starting from scratch every project. Sure. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I want to make that clear in that, like if you're in a position where you're like having to continuously always be creating new processes like something is clearly not working um of course like like you just said charlie like there's definitely moments where it's good to check in make some tweaks fine tune refine it a little bit um but if you're kind of tasked with like coming up with a new process for every single project or or every time there's new work and like something's something's up there like you shouldn't have to be changing the process all the time so if you're in that position where like as a designer you feel like all you're doing is like establishing new processes I, I, I think that's a little bit of a red flag like try and figure out why is that happening maybe maybe you can get the whole team together and do like a retro on on the process and like what's been working well where can we improve and kind of work together on establishing a process that will like be your foundation going forward because I don't think you should be if you're spending a lot of time constantly refining and changing and and overhauling your process that's just not a good use of time totally and this this person as well also talks about that they're missing doing design work yeah too much of their time right now is spent documentation reporting like checking other people's work as well as the processes so what I would recommend in this situation is for you to take charge a little bit and say, here's how I want things to work. I wanna be spending my time doing this. I would love for you to take on this like part of the process because they talk in here as well about some things they feel like they're doing that maybe should be the product manager, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, part of their mm-hmm. job as well. Uh, this is a conversation that needs to be had. Say, hey, I don't, I don't really think this is in my strength to be doing this. I can if you want me to, but I think it'd be better if we shifted this to you so that I can spend more time in my zone of genius, which is designing. You gotta advocate for yourself. If your role isn't turning out as you wanted it to be, don't just sit there and take it. Like have that <laughs> conversation with the people in your company, with your manager, whoever you need to talk to, to make that happen. Yeah. A point that I wanted to touch on too, uh, mostly relating to the the first question that we got about briefs. They're sort of saying like, does the senior designer do it? Does the product manager do it? I would say if you're seeing something that's not being done, just do it yourself. Mm-hmm. At least make a start on it. Say, hey, I noticed we needed a brief for this, so I wrote this up. What do you think? Um, should this be the process we use going forward? Do you want to write it? Should I write it? Again, have that conversation and and make it known. There's lots of things in my role at ConvertKit that I've actively had to speak up and say, I don't want to be in charge of this. <laughs> like, I've noticed that this is a thing that's not being done but I don't want to do it. I'm, I'm calling it out and I, I'll do it this time, but I think I'm saying, I think we need, this is a sign of a bigger problem. 
that we need someone else to tackle it in the future. So you've got to call those things out. It can feel awkward at first and can feel kind of like you're saying that you don't want to be working as hard or something like that. But yeah, it, if, it's, if you're at the right company and you have the right manager, they'll, they'll understand. Totally. I think this brings up two like good qualities, I guess. The first one being like delegating, which is something I've been trying to get better at. And then the second one is initiative, right? Like if you're seeing a gap or if you're getting briefs from product manager that you don't think are up to scratch or that you don't agree with, take that as an opportunity to have some initiative and, you know, go back to them with your proposal and what you think it would be or offer to work on it together. You know, wherever there are those gaps, you know, you are representing design and often cases the user as well. Like designers often end up being the voice of the user. And so if you're getting a brief that you don't agree with, you don't think is the right experience or you think is missing things, don't just like take it on and start working working on it. You know, take charge, push back, have some initiative and have that discussion with your product manager and see if there's opportunity to work on that together. Um, for, for context, like how it kind of works for me at Uber is often like the overall sort of like proposal of what we're working on is ultimately the responsibility of the product manager. However, we're working very closely together to sort of like, you know, articulate the requirements, articulate the scope, talk about the experience that we want to create. It's kind of a a collaborative process. And I will, you know, take initiative and take ownership of the design parts of that brief. And they will take ownership and initiative of the product side of the brief. But it's a very collaborative relationship. And that's the thing too, like maybe if you're working at a company where the product manager doesn't feel confident writing the design side of the brief, and maybe that's why it's not being done need to have that conversation so that you learn that and that you can, like you said, you can collaborate on it. I love that you called out that initiative side of things. I think that is just so key, probably to any industry in any career, but I know I can speak to it in design in particular. I would be nowhere near as far in my career as I am right now if I hadn't taken initiative in jobs, you know? Like, I hate to think how like how little growth I would have had in my career if all I'd ever done was exactly what was asked of me. Yeah. Nothing more, nothing less, you know? That's the thing and I, that I think if you can act on that and show that early on in your career, I think it's just going to be so great and it's going to help you get an even better start in design, you know? You can't just do what is asked of you, especially if you're at a company where you're the only designer because yeah. <laughs> then you're often being... You know, you've got to be the one to speak up and say where you need design to happen and to say what you need to get your your best creative work done, whatever you want your process to be. You've got to speak up for that. Even if you don't feel like an expert yet, you've kind of got to just realize that you are one. You are the expert in how you personally work. No one else can be. Um, and just, just friggin' do it. I get really frustrated when I see people <laughs> complaining about things that I'm like, did you do anything about it? Like, did you try anything? <laughs> yeah, like, no, my, my manager told me I have to do this. I'm like, okay, well, did you tell them there wasn't the best idea? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think I also want to be clear, and I don't know, maybe you disagree with me here, Charlie, is that, like, initiative doesn't necessarily mean, like, you do the work. Like, how I kind of see that is, like, initiative is, like, okay, you recognize there's a gap or there's a problem or, like, there's an opportunity. 
you take it on to kind of solve that and maybe the outcome of that is you delegate it to someone else or you bring it up with the manager or you know xyz you whatever that solution is it doesn't necessarily mean that you take on that burden and suddenly you're writing all the briefs at the company and you have no more time to design to me like that's not a smart initiative um to me it's more about like taking on the initiative to see okay there's a problem happening here like you know, how can we fix this? How can we come up with a solution? And that solution doesn't necessarily mean like you do the work. It means like, let's work together to find out how we can better optimize this or, or better get to solutions quicker, whatever that may be. Yeah, I do agree with you on that. But I think that we've got to be careful because it's very easy to call out a problem and it's less easy to work on a solution for it. You know? Right. So if there's an area that you feel is being like missed or not working well in your company and you've brought it up to your manager several times you can't just sit back and be like well I told you so like you've got to get in there and and try something for yourself take action yeah yeah take action even if you called it out as like hey I did this and it kind of seemed to work well should we implement this going forward should we get someone to you know take charge of this just yeah try something be a little bit scrappy and be open to doing things that aren't technically your job so that you can move things forward and show that initiative. Totally. Actually, like that's a really good point. Like I think the general the general vibe of the questions I think we got is like how much should I be doing that's not in my job description is kind of yes, the question, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And I guess like my answer to this is like I look at people who sort of go beyond their job description as like superstars. Like if you, if you can pull that off and if you can like bring the company value in ways that go beyond just like the list of like responsibilities you got when you started this job, like you're going to bring so much value to the company that that could do wonders for your career and especially like your career trajection. Um, so I, I mean, yeah, now and then I go above and beyond and do things that aren't necessarily design tasks, but I know that it's bringing value to the company and I know that it's benefiting the team and I know that it's helping us achieve results quicker or, or more successfully, whatever. Um, and so I think like if, if you're asking the question of like, should I go you know, above and beyond or, or around what my core job responsibilities are, my answer would be yes. Like if there's opportunity for you to have success in those areas, then go for it, give it a go. Yeah, agreed completely. I do think that our second listener, the one who, you know, is not having enough time to design at the moment, I feel like they might be in a situation where they've accepted too many things that are outside of their job description and that people are letting that happen because it's obviously helpful for the company to have this person doing it. But make sure that you advocate for yourself in all of this as well. I think it's great to step outside of your job description because then you're trying new things. You might find stuff that you really enjoy. Like I've discovered a great love for like, you know, project concepting and like marketing in general by stepping outside of my role as designer um, when it comes to creating campaigns and things that convert it. But if you're finding that the work you're doing is taking away from what you love the most, then it's time to speak up about it and make sure that you're looking out for yourself and, and your own like, you know, creative needs. Totally. Yeah. Like if you were hired as a designer and then suddenly most of your time is spent doing product management work, then that's probably a discussion to be had. Yeah. And I can see how that could slip, you know, Mm -hmm. and how that could easily happen. When I joined ConvertKit, I was very clear that I didn't want to become a video producer on the team. 
this happened at my previous role, I ended up doing a lot of videos and it was all my own fault because it was all my own ideas to have these videos. But what I should have done in that previous role was advocate for us outsourcing, like the editing or whatever, you know, yeah. that I didn't particularly care to be doing because, you know, I, I kind of felt like I was being punished for having the idea for a video and for an, an idea for something that would, you know, improve a web page. Yeah. I needed this video for it. But if I wanted to act on it, I had to do it myself. Yeah. So that wasn't so cool. So when I joined ConvertKit, I was very sure to be like, I might offer to do videos sometimes, but please don't ask me to like be the editor of the company and like be the person who does this. I've made many videos for ConvertKit, but I've also had the freedom to speak up when it's not something I want to do as well. And But it is something that I had to be careful about and state clearly and watch for myself as well. Like, when I first went on my, my first ConvertKit retreat, I filmed a vlog for it. I got the team to like film footage as well That's and I edited right. it all together. Right. Yeah. yeah, it was really fun. Um, and I continued that for the next, I don't know, five retreats, something like that. But then I got to a point where I was like dreading having to edit this thing. I was like, oh, this is not fun. There's just so much footage to go through. And I don't know, I had kind of stopped editing a lot of my own videos by that point. And so I was like, I don't want to edit one for ConvertKit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so... I mentioned that and the team were like, well, okay, let's hire an editor then. And I was like, dang, okay. <laughs> I wasn't taking my own advice. I forgot to speak up for myself and realize that there are other options and that I don't have to be the one doing this. But I had sort of like, because I started out doing it, I had accepted this as like a burden that I put on myself and that I had to follow through on. So yeah, what I'm saying, I guess, is learn from my mistake and be checking in with how you're spending your time and checking that it's how you want to be spending your time. Yeah, I feel like this is a conundrum that is more likely to happen in smaller sized companies and startups Definitely. especially where you wear a lot of hats. I feel like at Uber, I'm almost like too boxed in sometimes, you know, okay. like I want to not necessarily go and make a video, but like maybe I want to try something that's kind of outside my product design domain and at a company like uber that's hard to do because you know we have whole teams doing those things or there's a whole process for those things and you don't have as much creative freedom to just go and try something else um so yeah i don't know i guess i'm just trying to reflect on like it can look very different depending on the size or the scale of your company but i do agree like your general sentiment about like being super clear on like what you're happy to do and what you don't want to be spending your time doing. And it can definitely be a slippery slope, right? Like once you start doing something, often people are like, oh great, Charlie enjoys do doing those things. Mm -hmm, Let's like mm -hmm. keep giving her those. And then suddenly you end up being the video editor of the company. So if if you're like finding yourself in that situation, then just be, be careful and make sure that you still have control. Yeah. And I think this is a, a tricky topic to tackle, honestly, because I, I don't know. I feel like early on in, in your career, it's you don't have as much freedom to speak up for exactly what you want to be doing. You know, like you haven't earned your stripes yet, able to fully dictate what your role should be or what you want to be doing. Um, you'll know best with where you're at in your company and in your career. But I would say you can start like testing the waters a little bit, like dip a toe into saying, could someone else do this? Dip a toe into like taking that initiative <sighs> and see how it goes in your company. Yeah, totally. Totally. I hope that our listeners who submitted these questions have found this episode helpful. I think the general like takeaway from this, like we talked about earlier is, is around like initiative and also mm. like 
being in control and like knowing when to say no and like when it's too much taking up too much of your time like have that conversation reflect on if that's something you really want to be doing um that would kind of be my key takeaway here for this episode yeah same i agree that and also just stop worrying about it so much maybe as well that if there's a thing that needs to be done do it right could be an opportunity Mm -hmm. yeah um and it'll It'll be great for your career either way, you know, to take that initiative. Totally. Good chat, fam. Love it. Well, listeners, if you have a question that you want to hear us talk about on the show, then feel free to tweet us. We are at Design Life FM. You can also DM us there. Um, you can also send us an email. If you go to our website, designlife.fm, we have our email there and you can leave us a question and we're happy to keep you anonymous on the show as we have done today. So we'd love to hear from you. Yes. If, like, honestly, send us your like deepest, darkest <laughs> desire to, to talk about on the show. We want to tackle it and we'll, we'll leave your name out of it. We want to dig into the deep things that you worry about or that, yeah. you know, you feel a, a bit scared to ask. Um, ask us. We're not going to judge you and we'll, we'll chat about our thoughts on the topic on the show. Totally. Well, thank you, Charlie, for a great episode. Yeah, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.